yes, friends, it is OGP, one giant podcast on a Friday. Where as always, I'm Adam Marbeck, joined by the healthy, the wealthy, and the wise, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sir? I mean, if the NFL draft could take any longer for the first 10 picks, like I could have probably gone shopping and then came back and still would have been on pick number four. That was excruciating. And then to add to the point, the Giants end up, you think they're picking at 11. No, no, they continue to move back further. So guess what? We all have to step just a little bit later last night. You better believe it. I had a friendly wager over under, you know, I said, I basically said an hour 15 after the start of the draft, like at once the first team was on the clock for the New York Giants to pick. I wasn't too far off on the 11th pick around 935. It came up. But then as we know, the big news was the New York football Giants traded down from the 11th overall pick with victory lap for yours truly the chicago bears this is one of the scenarios that we talked about and that i thought was really real a real possibility depending on how the quarterback board kind of you know worked itself out certainly there was a a shake-up so to speak with trey lance going to the san francisco 49ers that opened things up um sidebar bill belichick and the patriots just next level mind games they do absolutely nothing and still get exactly what they want out of the draft but at 11 The Giants come up, and here's the things that happen around them that I think are are worth noting. They they come up at a spot, you know, just before it, really, I should say. The Philadelphia Eagles make a trade in division with the Dallas Cowboys, giving a third-round pick to get up to the 10th overall pick to take Devonta Smith. Real quick, let's start right there. Do you care that that happened? Do you feel like the Giants got snake bit and had had their, their receiver taken out from underneath them by the Eagles? I I do. I think the Giants were fully prepared to take Devonta Smith at 11. Um, and as circumstance would happen, uh, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys make a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles and come up and they take Devonta Smith in front of us. I, I think there was probably a discussion between uh, Dave Gettleman and, and the Chicago Bears that basically said, we're planning on taking Devonta Smith here, but if he's not, we're we're all open for business at this point. And you know, Adam, it felt like a roller coaster watching this draft because there was kind of the highs and lows where you, you kind of see the wide receivers are still on the board. You think, oh, Denver doesn't need a wide receiver at nine, and Dallas doesn't need a wide receiver at ten. You almost assuredly think that you're getting Devonta Smith, and then things change. But I will say, it went from you know heartbreak to excitement, at least for me, Adam when the Giants moved out of the 11th pick. Yeah, my only thoughts on, on, on the scenario there, I think, I, listen, what you learn, and we're going to get into the Giants pick once they trade back to 20, obviously, but I think what you realize after the first round is the Giants, yes, they were commi- it looks like they were committed to getting a weapon, to getting a wide receiver. That was the goal. But what I will say is there's no world where if you heard that the Giants had traded up to nine with the Denver Broncos and gave up a third-round pick for Devonta Smith, or if they had done it with the Dallas Cowboys and given up a third round pick to make sure that they got Devonta Smith, that would not have made me happy. And it's not, it's not a, it's not a referendum on Devonta Smith, but you cannot be trading like as good as Devonta Smith may be. I think it's a mistake if you're Philadelphia to be like, we're going to give up draft assets to move up to get this wide receiver. I just think that the, the, the class is too deep at that position and you're really costing yourself a little something extra. So it, it may be the case that yes, the giants would have been happy to take Smith, but I don't think that they were they weren't remotely concerned around the idea. What if the Eagles want to make a move? Right. I don't think that that played into their mind. They just said, if the, if the Eagles want to do something, so be it. And, and then we'll deal with it from there. And I do think that you're right. 
then once that happens and we saw the way that the QB board falls, Chicago wants to come up and make a big splash and get and get a Justin Fields and bring in their new franchise quarterback. We end up getting from them trading down to 20, picking up a fifth round pick this year, and then also picking up a first round pick and a fourth round pick in next year's draft. And Dave Gettleman was was uh, quoted as saying it was really important for us to get a first round pick in next year's draft because of all the weirdness around this year's draft, the uncertainty around so many prospects and knowing whether or not you've really hit your value mark here. It was a, it was a weird off season. As we know, weird season, weird off season, no combine, all of those things. So I think the Giants got tremendous value in trading down to 20. Yeah. Jordan Renan said it best. He said that, uh, picks in, in next year's draft are considered quote unquote, like gold right now. And the reason why is because this crazy off season shortened seasons for some of the teams in the, in the big 10 and the PAC 12, a lot of people opting out. You just don't know what you're getting. Some of these guys, it was 18 months since they last, uh, you know, snapped the football. And, and so everyone's saying you're going to be able to do a little bit more diligence. You're going to have way more tape on these guys going into next year. So I got to say, I was extremely happy with the haul that the Giants got. Getting a first-round pick is huge. Getting a fourth-round pick is something that they could potentially, you know, couple together with something else and move up next year. But also, getting that extra fifth-round pick, we still have to figure out some things along the offensive line, whether we package some picks to move up and, and target a guy we want, or we, we kind of take what we did with Shane Lemieux last year and take a little bit of a flyer in one of the later rounds. Yeah, I think it's nice to get that fifth round pick. Not having one this year does give you that flexibility to maybe move around the board again. And I wouldn't be shocked. Now it feels like now we're in the mode of it. And I even said at the time, as I was just rapid fire blasting, who knows what are we had onto the, onto the Twitterverse. But I said, you know, this does feel like it has a lot of Joe Judge fingerprints on it. That that New England mentality, right, where he comes from of let's let's work the board, let's move around, let's get extra assets, let's prepare for the future and for the present. So I liked what they did at twenty. They come up. You and I were talking where, you know, we're thinking quitty pay feels like maybe that's, you know, even when they traded down, I think a lot of people thought, well, is that what you're trying to do? Trade back, get extra assets and still land your edge rusher. Ultimately, it's a bit of a shock. But as I was talking with with you and obviously pessimistic Mike, as soon as they took him, I, I said, and we'll get into who he is and what he is, but I said, it makes a ton of sense. Like we were talking about, I even thought, well, maybe Bateman here at 20, right? Big guy. But you, you understood the model of player that the Giants wanted. You know, Tony is in the vein of a Devonta Smith. He's a playmaker, get him in space. He's a versatile weapon. And he's unlike any weapon that you currently have in that wide receiver room right now as well. So it's a nice compliment and it'll give a new wrinkle to that offense with having Kenny Galladay and still Shepard and everybody else, Slayton and the like. Yeah. So, so when the Giants announced their pick of Kadarius Tony, that's where the roller coaster went back down again for me. Where I, you know, we, we were on a, we were on a high picking up a, another first round pick, which is a great job by Gettleman. First time he's ever traded back in any draft. Um, but I, you know, it's it's a really tough thing, Adam, because we even at twenty, we, we had scenarios where we were looking at trade backs. We looked at guys like Quiddy Pay, Ojolari, but uh, you know, quite a few different edge rushers. Away, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and, and to be completely honest with you. Kadarius Tony was never in the discussion at 20. Like he was always going to be a second, early second round pick in most mocks. And, you know, Art Stapleton even said it. He's like, I did a hundred mocks uh, nowhere. No one had Kadarius Tony. And it just goes to show like, 
if you trust your scouting department, like who are these guys on TV that are basically saying, oh, this wide receiver is better or this one's only worth the 32nd or 33rd pick, not the 20th pick. It's like if you trust your scouting department and you and you see this guy as a need, a lot of people are comparing him because he goes, he went to the University of Florida to a guy like Percy Harvin who mm-hmm. can get out in space and, and be electric. You know, if if they, if they graded him out that high, you know, I can't hate on it just because I didn't do as much tape on Kadarius Tony as I did on guys like Rashad Bateman. Yeah, and that, I mean that's the difference too. And again, like I, you know, I have that personal affinity for the big receiver. But one of the things, even leading up to this draft, that I was hearing from just a lot of different areas was, you know, the the smaller wide receivers. Again, this is a part of where the NFL is going. It's not the same way as it used to be as far as how you can be used and whether or not they can work at different spots on the field and if they're pigeonholed into one area and if you need the bigger boys, whatever. And on top of which, getting Galladay kind of alleviates it. I, I think you are right. The one thing, see, I, I'm still going to come back to and say, you know, Kadarius Tony, who who has a an impressive background where he played quarterback. He also was a running back. He accumulated a lot of yardage in high school. So he's a dynamic playmaker. There, there's one footnote that I want to add to this selection when we're done, but that I think, you know, it might be a little pat on my back. But for me, I again, I still come back to you trade down and you get the extra value. And then I just I, I have a hard time seeing wide receiver as being the answer at 20. Now, some of the things they say about any of these edge rushers, including Quiddy Pay, just scratching the surface of what he could be. I love what his character is as a, as a human being. His story is fantastic. But they say, you know, guys like Owe, this is still a guy that needs work. A guy like Ojolari, you know, a lot of the edge rusher guys were still project players, are still project players. And I understand that, right? So you want maybe a polished kind of product. And Tony, you can look at Tony and say, this is a guy that's going to plug in and be instant impact for us. I look at, you know, offensive line and you make those considerations. So I, I still don't love the idea of where you took him, but the player himself to something that I had, I had spoke to in some of our mocks, if you remember third, fourth round talking about running back, maybe third round, Kenneth Gainwell thinking, Oh, could that be a really nice steal for us because of his versatility in the backfield, as well as as a slot receiver. I'm not saying Kadarius Tony is lining up in the backfield, but the fact that he has that background means now some of those, you know, those jet sweeps around the back, maybe he shifts into the backfield and rotates out to the slot, et cetera. I just think his versatility now makes him multifaceted in how he can be used in the offense and how it can impact. So you try to look at the guy that's going to get you tremendous value and you can, I can find it there in Tony. There is one little other footnote about him, but I'll, I'll let I'll let you get in here. Well, well, the one thing I was I was going to say was I had a little extra motivation in Quiddy Pay coming off the board because I had thrown uh, a couple <laughs> of right, yeah. shekels down on who will be the Giants' first selection. And to, to your point, I thought that the Giants there was a good chance the Giants were going to trade back, so I had placed my my wagers on Micah Parsons and Quiddy Pay. I you know I I just didn't see them going with the wide receiver now. We'll never fully know unless Gettleman comes out and says he wanted Smith. But it is interesting because Quiddy Pay, you talk about how everybody loves him and he seems like a great guy. It is interesting that there are some whispers about uh, Kadarius Tony at his, you know, with his time in Florida off the field. What what type of guy are you getting? Which you know is kind of the reason why I think they they shied away from someone like Micah Parsons. And by the way, is there anything more perfect than Micah Parsons going to Dallas? Like. <laughs> troubled, arrogant, cocky linebacker. Like it, it, it could not be more perfect. Like Mac Jones to the Patriots and Micah Parsons to the Cowboys was easily like, let's just put the exact person that this team would draft in front of right. them. 
the the most NFL thing that could have happened in the draft. And listen, I say this with with total tongue and cheekness. As soon as Parsons was taken, you know, and you have Smith, right? So two possible targets for the Giants stay in the division. And, you know, uh, my buddy Mike was saying, uh, God, you know, Smith's going to be good now. He went to the Eagles. I was like, I go the other way. I think Parson gets suspended within the first two weeks because he's a Dallas Cowboy. It's just the way it goes. You're, you're a linebacker, edge rusher. You play for Dallas. Obviously, it's not going to work out. But I do. I wish both of them well in their spots. I just hope that they don't play well in a very particular two games each and every season uh, inside of the division. You mentioned those things. I'll just quickly say here the off the field stuff was. You know, he was, that is, uh, Kadarius Tony detained, not arrested by Gainville, uh, Gainville police for an on-campus confrontation between players and locals. He was also, he had a soft, uh, by the way, an airsoft gun that looked like an AR-15 assault rifle. When I scanned this, and that's not the great thing, but when I scanned this yesterday, I the first thing that jumped out was AR assault rifle, you know, and you thought, good lord. But an air rifle, essentially, you know, careful, you're, you'll shoot your eye out to give you a little Christmas story reference. I love it. It's not exactly, you know, that that is completely different than having a full powered assault rifle in the back of your car. And just to give the quote, uh, unlike the Baker situation, as we know, it's the skill and the, the skill and the person has to add it together. We fully vetted every player on the board. We are very comfortable bringing him to New Jersey. Giants coach Joe Judge said we are very comfortable adding him to our roster to com- to complete Pete, excuse me, with the other players on the team. So from the mouth of Joe Judge, as we say in Joe Judge, we trust. And, and those things look like they were maybe a little bit overblown. <laughs> I did all of a sudden go. Hey, hey, everybody. <laughs> like, I thought we I thought we just kind of went through this a couple of years ago with somebody. Yeah, and 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 listen, I you know, uh, uh, some other key we won't belabor the point there, but one of the other key takeaways I had from last night was uh when they I- interviewed Joe Judge and they asked him, um, you know, what was going on? Do you see the Cowboys and, and Eagles pull off a trade? And Joe Judge's quote is look, trades happen a lot. Normally it doesn't happen within the division, but hey, look, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. What on earth is Joe judge talking about Adam? Come on. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, buddy. This is, this is warfare. Yes. The Dallas Cowboys are my enemy as are the Philadelphia Eagles. So if taking something from another, if, if punishing one of my enemies is rewarding one of my enemies yet still it's a positive for us. You're in my corner right now. When I see you on Sunday, Philly, you are my enemy. But every other day of the week when it's leading up to playing the Dallas Cowboys, I'm in your corner. Listen, buddy, you got to understand something here. Joe Judge is, he is next level. He's playing 3D chess. He's playing 3D chess right now. 3D chess. He's Matthew Broderick in war games. You know what I mean? Go back and check it out, kids. It's a great flick from the 80s. This guy, the only move, as they say, by the way, and I I used used a couple times last night, but the only, sometimes, the only move to make is not to play at all. And that's what the Giants did, you know, at 11. They waited. They sat in the weeds, and then they struck. Um, as we look over to resetting this board here, I just want to quickly shout out to uh, over on YouTube, Michael, who's tuned in with us on the uh, live broadcast. And he said, because of the background of Kadarius Tony, is there a scenario? He has a background as a QB. There's a world where Kadarius Tony could take a pitch on an end around from Daniel Jones and then find himself lobbing a pass to Daniel Jones in the end zone. 
Oh man. I mean, <clears throat> he is that type of weapon. Like he, it, you know, they also call him the Swiss army knife is another term that I, I saw batted around by a bunch of different people. Um, <clears throat> it, that would be actually pretty exciting. And that's the whole thing is just creating new wrinkles and new dimensions for this offense. You have to keep people honest. If you can have, uh, you know, an explosive guy out of the backfield that can run jet sweeps, can throw the ball can catch passes, you know, the, the whole nine yards. A- Adam, the one question that I had for you that, um, maybe it wasn't as surprising for us after we kind of thought about it, but knowing Rashawn Slater was there at 11, um, I thought that was one of the only other picks that the giants would make if they were going to stand pat there. Are you surprised that, um, you know, the giants traded back out and he went 15 to the chargers. There's a little bit of, I, I think maybe there was a little bit more smoke around the idea that Slater's automatically a kick into guard guy, right? And that, that, I mean, that there's different players that have gotten some of that hype far closer to the draft. Slater had that about him for a very long time. And for us, we look at him and go, hey, if we're talking about kicking into guard, we've got a spot for you, friend. But for other teams, if you evaluate him as a tackle, and that you know, and if the Giants themselves maybe said, "Oh, listen, this guy, you know, if we if we were going to take him, he'd be a tackle." But when we look at our team, we we love Andrew Thomas, we love Matt Pert. There's not going to be an immediate need here unless we move him into guard. And then I think at that point, you're evaluating value at the point that you're selecting at. Right? Is it worth it to take a guard potentially for us at eleven? When and and, and then when we maybe see other prospects as we get into the second round that we think can fill the need on this roster just as well, if not better, maybe based on uh, on our scheme and what we want to run. But, you know, from where we started with our mock drafts and these conversations, of course, you know, of course I'm surprised. And I wasn't surprised by Vera Tucker going. I mean, honestly, by the end of the day, I wouldn't be shocked if Vera Tucker is the more impact player as a pro, even over Slater. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. A lot of people have said that about Elijah Vera Tucker. Love that pick. Um, you know, Adam, at, at, at the end of the day, there was basically three areas of need. And we, we talked about mocking um, the three different positions we thought the Giants were going to address. One was wide receiver, one was offensive line, and one was edge rush. We all thought we were going to get that edge rusher at 20. It, it looks like they addressed the, the wide receiver position. Now we're moving into day two, where the Giants still have a relatively high pick and can potentially get a first-round talent in the second round. And, you know, some of these guys had slipped. Is there anyone specifically that you're eyeing for the Giants at 42 that you'd be very happy with? Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, as you know, if, or if you chose to stay up, if you were able to stay up for the entire first round, frankly, with the way that, with the way that it goes, there were some players that went in the back end of the first round. So even going all the way up to, you say, 28 with Peyton Turner, he's a guy that went to the Saints, obviously makes sense for them building to replace Cameron Jordan eventually. But he's a big body listed as a defensive end, but edge rusher has been a label for him as well. Thought he went a lot earlier than you expected. And then in behind it, though, you get Gregory Rousseau. That was a bit of a surprise how high he went, though the, the talent is there. It's maybe about the dedication. Then Jason Owe goes to the Ravens. And then tragically, tragically, one of our boys, Joe Tryon, to the to the Super Bowl champion, defending champion, New, uh, New England Patriots, of course. Yeah, the Tom Brady's, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Th- that was a big run at that position, and it makes it very interesting to, to take a look at now where the board stands and what the Giants could look to do. So, uh, listen, I- I'm going off of ESPN's big board now just as the reference point. When you start to look and say, we're, you know, we're, we know we're 10 picks away as the draft will restart tonight at 7 o'clock, maybe there's an opportunity that the Giants would try to trade up if they thought one of these players was a specific target. I think Ojalari comes to mind. 
The question now becomes, though, it came out, medical report, knee concerns potentially. So how far is he going to drop? And does he maybe fall into that category of, boy, guys, we wish we could have looked at more and, and seen more closely and the risk reward of taking a player like that. You know, I don't think even though all the, all these guys, offensive linemen wise, Tevin Jenkins, people say, oh, you could, throw, you could, you could go into guard if you wanted to. Etchenberg is there. He's been given that guard tag with a shorter 32, I think in three eighths inch arm length. So maybe he's a guard prospect. And then I'll throw in guys like Ronnie Perkins, uh, I think well, I had thrown up a list here yesterday for myself. Jabril Cox, I think, has to at least be thought about there at 42, potentially. And then a guy like Creed Humphreys in behind him, pure center guard, interior offensive lineman for the Giants as well. These are these are some of the names, right? Um, I don't know how far you would go back before you'd be willing to throw Joseph Osai into the mix. I've talked about him a ton. I love him as a prospect. I think, again, he needs to de- continue to develop his game. But those are the handful of players. The, the, the question is, though, and you saw it in the first round, 10 picks. I don't have any barometer about who's going to be or not be there now because we saw so many different things happen last night on, on the start of the draft. Yeah, I, I'm. it's tough. There's going to be a ton of trades in the first 10 picks because teams are going to come up and get the guy that they want and and not and worry about things later. You know, Joseph Asai is someone that I'm circling for the Giants at 42. But like you said, if someone else likes him, they're going to go up and get him. Um, you mentioned the offensive line. You know, one other noteworthy name is Wyatt Davis is, um, you know, a potential for the Giants, especially given now probably a little bit more value looking at, at a guard in the second round, as opposed to a Rashawn Slater earlier in the draft. So uh, it'll be, it'll be fascinating. I think with the second round and third round picks, those are the two positions the giants have to address. Um, but I, I honestly don't know which way they're going to go with 42. Well, so here's the thing for me, you mentioned a guy like Wyatt Davis, and it's worth noting a guy that I didn't mention was Landon Dickerson, who also has injury concerns. I think if you were in on a Wyatt Davis, who also has some injury tags to him, then you'd be in on possibly Landon Dickerson. And I think Landon Dickerson would be far and away the better prospect to go with, at least from what we can glean. And he is right now the 17th best player available on the board. The other wrinkle in this, and then I think the thing to get out on would be, what would you prefer position-wise here for the Giants to do at 42? The thing is, though, go back to the top of the draft and who took offensive linemen or not. A team like the Bengals jumps out, right? So all of a sudden, you think about some of these names you're seeing there, whether it is even a Wyatt Davis, right? Somebody is going to go here earlier now as teams look to get back into what they maybe could have done in the first round. A team like the Jets, who got another offensive lineman in the first round after getting their franchise quarterback, they hope. Now they're going to be in the market for weapons on either side of the ball, really. So all of these things start to, you know, create these different wrinkles now on day two that you really probably couldn't anticipate from day one. The other, there's two things I want to mention here, and then we'll, I'll, I'll get your take on what position you think the Giants should go with and who's your guy that you want to call your shot on. Elijah Moore, Tutu Atwell, Terrence Marshall Jr., Rondell Moore, you know, there's a healthy group of wide receivers here. And you can even go down to Nico Collins that you mentioned. I don't think that that's second round worthy specifically even for the Giants. But this is just a little footnote around what you could have done possibly as far as where the board was going to be when you came up in the second round. That being the case, my belief here is that the Giants took the wide receiver because they wanted the weapon, obviously. But as soon as you made that choice, and as soon as you didn't take Slater, you didn't take Vera Tucker, that tells me that you're confident in three-fifths of your offensive line at the very least. Thomas, Gates, and Pert. 
And once you have three-fifths of your line, what you need is serviceable players around them. Shane Lemieux, he may be that serviceable player at left guard. We still need to fill a need at right guard. I am comfortable with the Giants not going offensive line here and waiting to see how the board develops into the third round. And with a fifth and fourth round pick, maybe moving up. I probably am leaning towards let's get an edge rusher or just playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. Where do you stand on that? And then hit me with with what you think the Giants will do at 42. I I think edge rusher is the type of position where the Giants need someone desperately to be able to get to the quarterback because that is one thing that the defense is lacking right now. You know, they've kind of filled a couple holes with, uh, you know, one-year deals on some different veterans. But really the Giants, it's the one glaring need that they have. You know, we talk about offensive line. They're, they're going to add a guard at some point in this draft. They may, you know, to your point, maybe they do it in the fourth round. Maybe they do it in the fifth round. Maybe they bring someone in for competition. Um, but, you know, passing on Rashawn Slater kind of single, you know, signals that they're pretty content with the, the offensive tackle room and they, they believe in Andrew Thomas and they believe in Pert's development. And they believe that, you know, Nate Solder is going to be that swing tackle to back both of them up and provide that veteran, you know, depth for them. I, I, edge rusher is at such a premium and it feels like it just kind of falls off when you get to like the third, fourth, fifth round, mm-hmm. and you're kind of just throwing a dart. There are still really high quality guys. You mentioned Ronnie Perkins. Now I, I'm, I'm looking at a guy like Joseph Asai. I think, I think that would be a great pick for the giants. You get a guy that can rush the quarterback at a position of need. You know, when it, when I think it gets a little bit thin after the second round into the third round for edge rushers specifically. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Listen, as we know, I, I, I've hyped him for a long time. Uh, you know, he has the balance of both pass and rush grade as far as what his what he looked like as a prospect coming out of Texas. There, the only other guy I think well, there's two guys that I would mention here in this Swarth that maybe would take you away from traditional edge rusher, etc. Um, I wonder if inside linebacker, a guy that would line up with Blake Martinez and offer you the compliment, i.e coverage out of that position a little bit of speed a little bit of range maybe someone who has the potential to get out on the edge and do a little bit of work here um uh, you know uh, uh, on the outside and getting pressure on the quarterback one guy that really doesn't fall into that total category would be a player like nick bolton you know from a value standpoint he's a really talented prospect i don't know if that's the perfect fit at linebacker i think he would be more in the vein of a eventual replacement for blake martinez which isn't a terrible thing and then you mentioned a guy like jabril cox this is a pure athlete, sideline to sideline, can give you the coverage out of that position. I think he plays about 230, 232, throwing an extra five pounds, 10 pounds, and all of a sudden you've got a little bit of that bulk to move yourself around. That's where my instinct, I think, goes. My only reservation here is going to be, do the Giants look at the edge rushing room as in totality and say, this is just, you know, you didn't take one in the first round of 20. If you didn't have confidence in a quitty pay at 20, I can't say that you're going to have confidence in Joseph Osai at 42. So the, the wrinkle in the back of my mind would be the possibility. Maybe I'm just going to throw, I'll throw it out there and we can get out the door and, and that might be cornerback. I'm just, you know, I'm reading the tea leaves on, on what we think about value and everything else. Um, you got a guy like Joseph out of Kentucky. St. Juice is another player. Like these are long lengthy guys that, have versatility inside outside so you can use them in the slot uh you know with all the length that joseph has they say you can line them up in the slot so you're not going to take away your big free agency ticket from the outside but versatility and mobility and then building for the future so if value makes sense there 
Again, value overall, right? Value over everything else is what the Giants are looking to accomplish here. Maybe you throw that into the room, but hopefully, since we're both leaning that way, Joseph Osai might be the pick. Yeah, I, I mean, there was there was a little bit of a run on quarterback uh, cornerbacks at the end of the first round. You look at a guy like Greg Newsome. You look at a guy like Eric Stokes out of, out of Georgia. So some of those guys got taken, you know, right at, at, at the end of that round to, you know, presumably to get them their fifth year options um, with yes. these first round draft picks, which is which is paramount. Um, usually you see Joseph, Joseph uh, Tryon. Sorry, by the way, like that's why I think the Bucks took him there. I think that he's right. probably, you know, 15 picks back as far as value, but he's 20 years old. So you're going to have a right. fifth year option, a guy that won't be 25 when you're looking to negotiate a second contract. I, I think for us, it's pretty simple. We both like edge rusher. We'd be, be okay with a linebacker. You would, you wouldn't mind uh, a cornerback. I wouldn't mind an offensive lineman, specifically a guard. That's kind of where the Giants are going to go. I'd be shocked if they go at any other position, double up on wide receiver or take a tight end or something like that. Um, but yeah, 7 p.m. tonight. Hopefully uh, it's not about 10 minutes per pick. And uh, we're waiting until the clock gets started on the, uh, when the second night kicks off. So down to seven minutes. All right. We're already saving time, friends. It's already quicker than we anticipated. Um, no, you're right. We'll see how it plays out. And I think for us at this point, as we shout out to Joseph Clark for checking in with us on YouTube as well. The, the, this is the reality of, of the way the first round played out, I think, lets us know. Don't bother <laughs> trying to, you know figure out necessarily where the giants are going to go we may have to be a little bit more reactive than you know predictive in this space and i think it'll be interesting to see if some of the offensive linemen that have been tagged as versatile do you hear rumblings about that for the giants and seeing really how these first 10 picks go um and if i could leave you with this one name ronnie perkins he is basically the bigger thicker joseph osai different usage different functionality but if you have any thought that the Giants want to replace Dalvin Tomlinson in some capacity, Ronnie Perkins is a guy that can live in a lot of different spots across the line. That's right, friends. Adam Armbrecht sitting on the fence, as he ever has. We will be back in maybe a bonus episode, a little something tomorrow, obviously, as the draft rolls on here. And we'll get into noon on Saturday when uh, the final rounds of the draft will all conclude. See if the Giants move up the board at all. Be sure, obviously, to check in with us on social media, where I was just rapid-firing random thoughts across the world last night. Until next time, though, follow us, subscribe, enjoy the podcast at One Giant Podcast, hashtag OGP if you want to use it. And now, more than ever, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and demand that you know. As always, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>